Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with people who take couples trips and people who double dip. I'm Adrian, as always, here with Polly Paul. Let's get big factin'. Let's get no capping. Do you ever worry about our podcast not um, passing the Bechdel test? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that today. Um, Should we get... I don't think it ever has. (laughs) Should we get two women to co-host? And talk about not us? (laughs) (laughs) And talk about not us. Or any other man the whole episode. Because there's only one scene in a podcast. Damn, that's true. And scene. There we go. Now we can cut it into other parts. <laughs> um, what's going on with you, buddy? You never told me more about uh, your your trip to the shy. Oh yeah, it was pretty great. The silliest names of the things I did was I went to uh, Pequod's for pizzas and I went to Quimby's for books. So you didn't go to Portillo's. I didn't know. I was a, I was a Pequod's boy. When I saw when I saw on that when I saw their specialty was caramelizing the crust, I was like, "Ooh, that sounds good." Mm. I want that crust to be caramelized. I saw my old friend Emily. I mean, maybe you know her a little bit better. Uh, mm. Now nah, I'm just Josh, and she's your good friend Emily from uh, Davis. Easy E. She's from the Bay. But yeah, that was uh, that was delightful and we can say whatever we want about her because she gave me the inside scoop that she doesn't listen anymore oh god damn so let it out adrian why well, didn't talk to her you're the one with new information about <laughs> oh, <no>. her <laughs> you heard becca's living her best life becca's also living her best life she's unlike emily who stopped listening at some point becca has always refused to listen so we could also say whatever we want about her and it was great to see her man she's living her best life Delightful. I'll tell you what, uh, inside scoop, I saw the picture of her. She's got a radiant glow about her. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. But yeah, Chicago was awesome. It was really fun. Are, are you like a, Are you like someone who goes to New York and you're like, you know, I could visit it, could never live here? Kinda, yeah. I don't know why I said that with a New York accent, as if like, <laughs> that would be the person <laughs> living there. <laughs> why would someone who has a New York accent visit? <laughs> you feel the same way about Chicago? No, because I mean, like, uh, the Becca's place was, uh, you know, it was like in a neighborhood that was outside of like the downtown area. So she had breathing room and there was lots of people around, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't so dense. It was insufferable. It was, it was a nice amount of space and a nice neighborhood. So no, I could never live in Manhattan, but feel like, yeah, people who are saying that are visiting and going to Times Square and be like, I could never live here. It's like, nobody lives here. It's Times Square. Like, what are you talking about? The M&Ms live there. That's true. <laughs> Spider-Man lives there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Spider-Cos lives there. I'm pretty sure you could make it in a nice little townhouse in, in Queens. Well, you really broke down that, uh, that cliche I was saying, but do you want to say anything else about Chicago? <laughs> hey, Adrian, you know you can't say something innocuous around me. I'm Paul, the tedious bastard. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a character I've been doing the since <laughs> this is a character I've been doing since episode one, Paul the tedious bastard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh I mean I'm 
people don't need to hear about the Field Museum and the Shed Aquarium from me. Like, I'm sure somebody else who visited Chicago. Did could you go to see? Did you go to see the Bean? I did, and I loved it. It was. It was a good Bean. It li- it lived up to my high expectations of it. And I don't care what everybody kept telling me about, like, oh, the locals have never even been there. I've lived in Chicago for 5,000 years. I've never been to the Bean. Oh, yeah. That's like my brother being like, hey, I've lived in New York for 20 years, never went to the Statue of Liberty. I can see it from here. <laughs> and I I dismissed all those haters, and rightfully so. The Bean is awesome. It looks incredible in real life. Yeah, I uh, I actually did go to see the Statue of Liberty one of the times that I went to New York, I think, without my brother. And I was like, damn, Statue of Liberty, girl, aren't your arms tired? <laughs> you came up with that right now, right? That was on the fly. That was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely just steal that. I didn't just steal that from Phil. No, no, no. That was Adrian <laughs> Original right here, right now. Shout out to everybody we saw in Chicago, everybody who helped show us a good time. Shout out to the city of Chicago, really kind of the third character on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Well, I also kind of feel like I went to Chicago this weekend. Um... <laughs> I uh, watched The Bear on Hulu. This is my media roundup. Little eight-episode series about a a guy who makes it to the top of fine dining, but then has to go back to his Chicago uh, home to uh, take over the restaurant that his brother was working at or owned before he died. Pretty good. Pretty good show. It's fun. Maddie Matheson is in it. That's kind of the reason I checked it out, even though he doesn't play a chef in it, which is very funny. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty well acted. I do have a couple of hot takes about it, but I don't know if I'm really that interested in laying those out right now. Hey, Adrian, every take from you is a hot take with that bod. Yeah, I'll tell you what. One of them is that, like, it kind of has, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine syndrome, but not exactly mm, as bad, but, like... No, it's not copaganda. It's ACAB all the way through. <laughs> um, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine syndrome. It basically, it stars an incredibly competent white guy... But it has a diverse cast, and so almost certainly, like, people's reviews are going to be like, oh, I love how diverse the cast is. And it's like, I don't know, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's like, look at how diverse the cast is. I mean, yes, everything is still ultimately saved at the end of the day by the bumbling idiot man-child who's a white guy who just happens to be better than them at being a cop. But also, look at the diverse rest of the cast. I don't know. That still kind of bothers me whenever it's, like, still just so, like, white-centered like that. And you know it's going to be a big thing that people are going to be like, oh, I love the diversity of the show. Um, but that's a minor critique. The other one is that, uh, there is one episode that's like the, uh, it's just, I don't know, like the Bojack Horseman completely underwater, no dialogue episode where it's just like, yeah, it's a good episode. I don't know why people are like jizzing their pants over this one. Like it's just as good as any other episode. Like, yes, it has like a creative angle to it or whatever, but like, can we, let's just calm down a little bit. I don't know. It's a, we've made all entertainment for children, so now anything that tries to be slightly more artistic blows people's minds. It's kind of like how Marvel fans thought that, like, WandaVision show was deep. Like, what are you going to do if you've ruined your mind by watching exclusively Marvel movies for the last eight years? WandaVision probably seems like the most artistic, out-there attempt at making television they could imagine. Yeah. I think that's that actually speaks to you pretty well to like how I felt about how people reacted to it. But other than that, great show. You should definitely check it out. I watched it in a day. It's fucking great. Cool. What was it called again? The Bear? The Bear. Da Bear? Da Bear. Wait, neither of us talked about what our July 4th was doing. What we spent doing with our July 4th. Oh, I was flying back from Chicago. And I will say that we got on the plane. And then they went, this one? No good. Get back off. And they made us get off that plane. And then they were like, we wait around for three hours. They were like, oh, we forgot. This is the joke plane. <laughs> this is the plane we <laughs> No, we got off and we look out the window. That plane had no wings. It was just a big tin can. 
Uh, I never really got an answer from them about what was wrong. I kept thinking, hey, I should ask somebody, but then I was like, eh, they're busy. They don't need to have me walking up with some dad energy. Like, so what was going on? Are you, uh, are you afraid of flying at all? No, not really. You know, it's one of those, like, Malcolm Gladwell-ass, like, Freakonomics things, but I do remember in Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, one of the conflicts about them going to Europe is that Coco, the bird, is afraid of flying. <laughs> and I think at one point, Mac tells her, like, you know you're driving, right? Like, you're in a car every day, and you're way more likely to get in an accident doing that than for flying in a plane. And so the way she takes that is she becomes afraid of driving to <laughs> being in a car. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Also, I... I Coco drives in that show. I feel like well, I think Coco, she's just like, in the bus. Oh yeah. Could Although I, I do remember, I distinctly remember her driving with her feet at some point during the show. I was gonna say Coco's character could only say Coco, Coco, Coco. God, that was such a good show. Ten out of ten show. Yeah, I'm not. I'm also not uh, afraid of it. I do find it tedious though. I do hate it because I can't, I have trouble falling asleep. I mean, it's it's not really about like the statistics of the danger. It's like. You know, you feel it in your, I think it's about heights, which I am afraid of heights, but I'm not afraid of flying. It doesn't feel like heights. Looking out that window feels like, maybe because you're not looking straight down, you're looking sideways and you can see the horizon. So it doesn't give you that same sense of vertigo as other heights do. I don't know. I guess, yeah, it feels more like looking out of a video screen, you know, like Mm. (laughs) honestly, that's my conspiracy theory is that everywhere on earth is actually really close and they just have video screens as the windows to the plane that they just drive around for a while and then they park mm-hmm. in Chicago mm-hmm. and they're like, we're here. So they can charge you more for it. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you think they should have like a glass bottom then for like the bottom of the plane <laughs> so you can actually see where you're, where you're going over? No, because that could just be a really big video screen. Ooh, do they make them that big? <laughs> yeah, have you never been to a, you've never been to a theater or you've never been to a uh, stadium? The Jumbotron? Oh, yeah. Is this one of those things where, uh, do you remember in high school when you learned that, like, deceleration isn't a word because acceleration means a change in speed, but it doesn't specify, like, an increase or a decrease? Mm -hmm. So whether you're braking or hitting the gas, you're accelerating. Is this one of those things where someone can say that they have a, that they're afraid of heights and that's why they're afraid of the subway is because they're afraid of (laughs) negative heights? Or is there another word for that? I'm subter- subterranean folk. No, you know, you know my opinion on that. I don't like it when scientists take a word that they didn't invent and then claim that their scientific meaning for you don't, it. You don't. You don't think they uh, invented acceleration? No, there's no way they did. Acceleration was definitely around before, like Newtonian acceleration as a change in velocity existed, and then they, they decided that that was didn't matter whether what direction it was based on. That makes sense. Scientists are the real cultural appropriators. If you lift a box up the stairs and you bring it back down, Adrian, you've done no work. You haven't done, you've done no work. You haven't even done any work. It's like, fuck you. Scientists didn't invent the word work. Go fuck yourself. I've done work. You piece of shit. What are you, a Marxist? What are you talking about? <laughs> I've done labor. <laughs> I'm just tired of these science-ass bitches trying to get me with their stupid technicalities. All right. Paul, let me ask you a real question. You a double dipper? Yeah, sometimes. Not only am I a double dipper, I'm one of those double dippers who so doesn't care about it that I just ask people if we're all have like a say, do you mind if I double dip? If we're all like sharing a dip. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I wouldn't double dip in a social situation with more than me and like one or two other people. It has to be about two other people that I could quickly ask like, do you mind if I double dip? But other than that, I guess I'm a single dipper. Mm-hmm. And for personal dips? Boy, you better know I'm double dipping. That's fair. What's your take? 
I can't remember the last time that I've gone to a party where there was a big bowl of dip that you didn't just have a spoon to take some and put on your plate. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I think that simple solution has solved all double dipping issues oh, for come most on. of my adult life. Appetizers. Appetizers are the situation where sometimes, like, you, you, you get a single guac they, no, or a single queso. No, they, no, they queso. always pass around small plates. They always you pass put, around You small put plates. queso on your plate instead of getting it out of the deep bowl? You're a psychopath. I think I only get queso by myself. That's a that's a messy meal. Okay, well, you see, I, I think queso is to share. But maybe one of us has friends and the other doesn't. That's the difference. Did I tell you about me going to that drag wrestling event on Thursday? No. It was very fun. Um, It was, you know, they, they come out, they do a song, and then after two people do a song, and then they wrestle each other, they're in a pool full of lube. It's very fun. Um, But one of the things was, uh, wh- wh- what brought up this memory? What, what were you saying? That Oh, lactose intolerance. Um... <laughs> <laughs> how much were you farting at the <laughs> drag wrestling event you're like no 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 <laughs> i am i am very blessed uh latinos and asians have like opposite ratios of diabetics to people with lactose intolerance and i got the one that honestly might not be better off <laughs> you know i think is better quality of life it seems like there's an easier solution like lactate seems pretty uh available to everybody but that whole thing about uh phil and i having that joke from uh uh broad city where we just say like i'll follow you through hell brother <laughs> um i was sitting next to a new person who i had just met who was in a group of friends with me she got a uh pupusa because that's the tent that was there for food um and at a certain point someone points out they're like oh do they have vegan or is are you actually eating real cheese and she's like oh yeah i'm eating real cheese and she looks at me and she's like it might get a little bit messy here later and i was like i'll follow you through hell bro <laughs> she was like i like you <laughs> that's what that, that for some reason that made me think of that was there <laughs> a big bowl of queso no yeah but i i do want to just think, go okay, back well, to here's the other thing here's the other thing here's the other thing if I'm going to be in a group eating queso with people, I think it's going to be with people who I don't even need to ask because I know they don't care. Okay. I think you're very clearly embarrassed that I proved you had no friends on this podcast. I have no friends on this podcast. I'll tell you what, only enemies. <laughs> Trying to take away from Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Two enemies discuss advice columns. That was the original concept of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, originally it was two anemones, but we couldn't get them to talk. <laughs> Wait, what? You ever watch Finding Nemo? That's that's a that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Adrian always judges Paul's jokes. Paul never judges Adrian's jokes. <laughs> We're having a good time. Oh, um. <laughs> hey, you having a good time, folks? <laughs> but if you had to pick between being Hispanic and having diabetes, or being Asian and not being able to tolerate lactose, you have to remember. A lot of Asian people also have, like, a similar thing with alcohol intolerance, where they get, like, really red and drunk very quickly from a little bit of alcohol. That'll save so much money. Ooh, that's how you that's how you take it? I take it as, like, they- I'm saving on money. I'm saving on calories. <laughs> they seem pretty miserable, though. Like, they have a single drink, and they seem like they're out. The people with the intolerance. I'm not trying to do a broad-sweeping thing here. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'm going to choose to stay Guatemala. Okay. Fair enough. And I'll stay Asian, because I technically am. I love it when people point that out to be like, yes, Arab is technically in Asia. Arab countries are mostly in Asia. You get it. I get it. I get how continents work. Some of them are in Africa. Some of them are in Africa. Some of them are kind of in Europe, if you count Turkey. But, I mean, getting pretty broad with your definition of Arab at that point. All right. I don't think we have a lot to say about double dip, and you want to get into articles? (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, 
uh, it's good that we didn't talk too much about the actual ethics of double dipping because my article is very much just that question. So do you want to get into it? Yeah, let's talk about it, my man. All right. This is from the aptly named The Dip. Uh, this is, I think, a feminist publication. So this is very serious. Is it okay to double dip? Kelly Conaboy is writing an advice column for dip readers. It's going to be very serious. So serious, in fact, we named it Very Serious. An advice column by Kelly Conaboy. Dear Kelly, is double dipping actually fine? From Tara. Can I can I make a quick statement? Quick uh, quick discovery? So, so one of the ways that I sometimes try and find advice columns for our, our themes is I'll just look up like the basic Wikipedia definition of it and like history of it. Today I went to Urban Dictionary, which came up first. And Urban Dictionary attributes the cultural notion of the double dip to the Seinfeld, Seinfeld episode. episode. Oh. Which is absolutely not true, right? I don't think like, so. That no. was clearly precedent on something else. That was yeah. like a thing in the zeitgeist before it was in Seinfeld. No, I, I have to assume they didn't say it in the episode like they were coming up with the concept. They said it like it was a thing people knew about. Yeah, like that's, uh, that's like what, what kind of historical revisionism is going on with these youngsters? Over at Urban Dictionary. Yeah, if you can't believe Urban Dictionary, who can you believe? Who can you trust? That's what I'm saying. Wait, you're saying when I was in seventh grade and I looked up to Superman.ho and it was something about like coming on a girl's back and sticking the blanket to her, that wasn't true? Is that what that is? I don't think that's true at all. I think it's a, somebody wrote a gross description and young me was like, okay, now I know what the song is about. Okay, now I can sing it wholeheartedly because <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> but I do have a very stark memory of being like, Adults are doing that? What the fuck's going on? That is a big phase of middle school is when you start reading about all the different sex acts that technically have been described in the world, and which no one's probably ever done. <laughs> yeah, but you're a middle schooler, so you're just like, I guess so. Yeah. Wow, that's fun. That makes sense. I think everybody's out here doing the, uh, the what is it, like the Cincinnati trombone and the Fruity yeah, Pebbles? Yeah, this is something donkey punch. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not like Seinfeld's yada yada yada. Talking about like sex acts, have you was... ever done the double dip? I could see. Is this our third segment? Is uh, you give me a random phrase and I tell you what the sexual act is? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Stay tuned okay. for that one, folks. Yeah. Oh, so just going back to the regular ethics of double dipping. Does the does the medium matter? Does it matter if it's a salsa or a queso or if it's thick or viscous, non-viscous, thin? To me, none of it bothers me, but I feel like the ethics of double dipping is the ethics of ruining somebody else's meal. So it's about, you know, you can only double dip to the level of the most prudish person in your group. It's about the weakest link in the, in the yeah. chain. So for me, it's one of those things where I almost certainly assume that's, you know, like when Butters talks about how, like, you should wash your hands before you go pee because technically your hands are been way grosser places than your dick has during the day. <laughs> it's one of those things where I feel like there's probably like a pretty scientific understanding of like double dipping has no bearing on how much bacteria is in whatever you're eating it's way more gross that you guys shake hands in the beginning of a hangout than it is that you guys like double dip in something but i don't know yeah i don't know anything about it seems very psychological yeah well it, it is right and if for me it doesn't matter to me somebody I, double dipping's fine if somebody it in the group flavor in my opinion <laughs> if somebody in the group doesn't like it you're clearly gonna ruin the meal for them you shouldn't double dip man come on come on you want them to enjoy the queso, too. I mean, I was thinking about this, like, to the point, I feel like, I don't know if, like, cultural understandings of these things have changed, but, like, even this weekend, I was like, wow, I just feel like our parents' generation would were way more grossed out by these things, because, like, I ordered a drink, and I sat down, like, whoa, this is really good, and I hand it to Becca, 
And she takes a sip and she goes, whoa, that is really good. She just looks at me. She's like, you mind if I hand this one to, uh, you mind if I hand this one to Blake, Emily's boyfriend, so he can taste it too? And I'm like, oh yeah. And she hands it to him and he takes a sip too. And he does a spit take and he's like, that's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, that doesn't bother me at all. But I imagine my parents would say like, you know, like as a kid, they would have taught me like, don't do that with your friends, Paul. (laughs) Well, see, this is one of those things where. I was a little bit surprised by it because I was with that new group of people on Thursday at that uh, drag wrestling event. So I only knew I only knew two of the like four people at, at the table with me, but they were doing a thing where they were like, you know, they'd get a cider. It was at a cidery and they'd just be like, oh, this is a group drink, by the way. So whoever wants it can drink out of it. And I was like, I feel like you were a group of people who took COVID really seriously. And now we're just like, hey, let's all just like fucking tongue this thing together. baby. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know why that took me by surprise. I think it's a post-COVID thing where I'm surprised by that, but that's the only reason. Otherwise, I would never have an issue with everyone passing a drink around. But also, I don't think my parents would have an issue with that. So I don't know. If my, I don't know. I don't know. If my parents are a bad gauge for the American generation before us or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, my parents are also not a great gauge for the American generation before us. Yeah, but your parents are civilized. <laughs> <laughs> I like how this, uh, we don't pass the, uh, female Bechdel test, but we very much pass the, uh, the foreign Bechdel test. <laughs> the Bechdel test. <laughs> the big dead Bagdad test. <laughs> Anything else on this? No. Should we come up with funny answers? What was it? What was the question again? His double dipping actually fine. What, a, what an aggressive way to ask a question. Right? That's what I was thinking. It's a very leading question. It's like Isn't that like the, the classic example is like when did you stop beating your wife or whatever? <laughs> it's like <laughs> they really decided to frame this in a certain way. We're on the back heel. <laughs> yeah, the assumption is that we have a cultural understanding that it's not fine and that they're a brave they're bravely making a stab to like a stab out to say, is it actually fine though? It's like, I don't know. I, I don't really think I know too many people who are upset by double dip, and if I have to be honest with you. Yeah. This is when we just get a bunch of texts from our friends after this episode that are like, y'all gotta stop. We all have been eating. Yeah, we got a <laughs> bunch of big fact freaks out there. I'll tell you what, big old freaks. No, big fact normies, because they're gonna say, Paul and Adrian, we just haven't wanted to tell you. We think it's disgusting when y'all double dip or take a sip of our drinks. Let me ask you this, Paul, because uh, I know you're, I don't know about you. I'm not a, I don't have a very, uh, large mouth, a very regular sized mouth. You ever triple dip? You ever get like a really big tortilla chip and you're like, you know what? It's good. I'm going to need to take this down in parts. No, you know, I'm going to really, I'm really going to need to divide and conquer this chip. You know, no, no, because a very big tortilla chip I know is going to break. And what I don't want to do, because I feel bad about this and I don't like seeing other people do it. I don't want to, I don't want it to break in there. And then somebody has to put their finger Uh, in the dip because that is a little bit grosser. That's grosser. And I don't want to have, wait, why not just use another chip? That's what I do. But like, then you're, you know, you put an effort into it. I break the chip if it's that big and then I get it. Oh, I see. Well, that's the solution to double dipping as well, isn't it? Just split in half. Yeah. Yeah. I get that gets into my thing, which is the crumblies. Making a mess. Mm. You know, now that I think about it, I don't think I do double dip that often. I don't think I have a problem with it, but I don't think... I think the situation where I get the wrong bite and it feels necessary is not that frequent. I think it's an option I leave open to myself, but I, I don't think I ever really take a bite of a tortilla and don't finish it. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've had to, to be in the situation. Yeah, I don't think with tortilla chips I need to very often. I think I'm pretty good about just getting the right amount in the first dip. 
All right, you ready for this answer? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, here we go. Let's see what uh, Kelly's sensibilities are. Tara. It can be dangerous when you learn the rules you once thought were steadfast or actually malleable or even non-existent. It can lead people to commit white-collar crimes and other such things. I don't want that for you, Tara. I'll give you an example from my life. At one point, when I was a younger writer, I thought turning in a draft late was not allowed. I would turn in all my drafts on time, which I thought was the rule. I thought that's what everyone was doing. As it turns out, no one does that. It seems that, in general, people treat draft due dates as basically a suggestion. Let me tell you, Tara, I would probably have been better off not learning that, as would my various editors. But can you double dip a chip? Ah, the final taboo. I would say first that during our current worldwide medical crisis, probably you should not double dip a chip in a situation with people who are not members of your household. I am, of course, not a doctor, yet, but from picking up what is going on in a general sense, it seems that that would be a mistake. It would at least be impolite. Friends would see you and think, Tara is double dipping in a freaking pandemic? And you couldn't blame them for doing so. So, while you were reading that, I was thinking, I was like, you know, what I said about tortillas is true. I'm not double dipping them, but I know I've thought about double dipping recently. So what was it that I was double dipping? And I think I have the answer. And it was Asian appetizers, egg rolls, oh, crab rangoons, dumpling. dumplings. Those are all things we're yeah. double dipping because they have like a thinner sauce and you do take multiple bites of them comes into play. And those are the situations I'm double dipping in. That's true. Uh, let's see. There's four comments on this article. So I don't know if let's see if any of these are worth reading. Um, overloading the original chip should only be done with close friends or your SO to avoid appearing like a greedy little goblin. LMAO. That's another thing to consider. You can't just take too much on the first bite. Sometimes you got to double dip. People really think a lot about this. Also, one solution, just buy chips that are good on their own. Get a nice uh, Tostitos hint of lime chip. Those are great. I will eat those straight. You're, you're being crazy here, Adrian. Come on. No flavoring is going to compare to a dip, which is a different temperature, which brings like, uh, what would you call it? Contrast to the bite. Um, shout out to Adam Ragusa, number one uh, food YouTuber on this podcast. No, nah, no, nah, I'm joking. We hate Adam Ragusa. He's actually X most hated food youtuber on this Stinky. podcast but he does he does actually do pretty uh pretty good videos so i think me and adrian have both seen him all right paul you ready for your call yeah let's do it okay adrian we've talked about double dipping into dips but have you ever mm. thought about double dipping into a family no it seems like a lot well the guy who wrote this next article did dear john I broke up once and for all with an on-again, off-again girlfriend I dated for a couple years. This was a couple months ago. But her younger sister emailed me recently to get together for a drink and a talk, and I'm looking forward to it, and very anxious about it also. We were pals, and we would do stuff together like Christmas shop for her sister, and it was fun, although there was never a hint of anything at all beyond a sisterly friendship. But we got along great, and being a guy, I can't lie and say I've never thought about what it would be like to be with her. Just so you know, I'm 38, my ex is 36, and her sister just turned 30. So anyway, oy, oy, oy. I got this email from her and I have no idea what to do about it. But I'm thinking it's the obvious thing and she wants to see if we both might have stronger feelings for each other than we've let on. Is this cool though? As far as her being the sister of my ex-girlfriend, I have mixed feelings about it. And I have some friends who say yes and some who say definitely not. My ex used to drive me crazy and I did to her. 
but I really don't have any desire to humiliate her or hurt her or anything like that. But I'm almost 40. I want a family, and I don't feel like I can rule anything out when I already know I get along with this person. You know? Sincerely, on the fence. I mean, come on. We talked about leading questions earlier, but his exact question was, is this cool? Hell yeah, it's cool, brother. What are you talking about? Double dip. (laughs) Yeah, that sister, go back in for the other sister. Um, Yeah, it's cool as hell, dude. In all seriousness, that's disgusting and super mean. Don't do that. But in not seriousness, (laughs) yeah, Gizmo. (laughs) Wait, really? You wouldn't do this? No, of course not. That's so mean. Wait, how long ago was the uh, breakup? Couple months ago. That's a little soon. But I'm not gonna lie, I wouldn't totally rule it out. He does that whole, like, I'm getting into my 40s, so I can't rule anything out anymore. I imagine his logic would be like, whoa, you want me to wait? We could be dead in a month. I'm 40 years old. Come on, I'm over the hill. Um, no, that's so mean. My prostate could explode at any point. That's so fucked up as a sister. Bro, come on. I don't know. I don't actually, I don't, I don't really, this is one of those things where, I don't know if I can think of a good example off the top of my head, but I, I don't see what's so, how long did they date? Uh, he said they were on and off again for a couple of years, but they were close enough that he was hanging out with her sister to buy her presents, which is a pretty close relationship. Yeah, pretty close with the sister. I'll tell you what. So you're a 100% no. In, in all seriousness, sure. On the grounds that it's mean to the other sister. You would give up love for the for the inconvenience of love. maybe being mean to somebody. I could feel how hard the guy's dick was through the phone. <laughs> love. That's love. That's love. That's an Odyssey song. <laughs> I can't lie to you as a guy. I've always kind of wondered what it would be like to be with her. I was really wondering what the end of that sentence was going to be. Because I was like, that could go anywhere. I could get real blue. <laughs> Bruh, as a guy, no matter what I'm doing, I'm also just envisioning myself fucking any woman who's around. It makes it really he's hard the... to watch Golden Wait. Girls. I was just about to say whether or not he's met the parents, but they're like 40, right? Is that in that age group where maybe their parents aren't even around? Because or... that's also a I weird thing. Is like that dynamic. have alive parents, but... I don't know. Sometimes parents are old whenever they have their kids. Because uh, I feel like the parent dynamic is also a big thing that he didn't include at all in this thing, which is like, how would they act about you dating their daughter now? Which I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if they have a younger brother, he's going to be like, oh, God, am I next? <laughs> you hope they really hope they make it. Smells like a threesome. Ooh, Paul, Paul, Paul. Do you think this is all a ploy just to make her jealous? Do you think this is all a ploy just to get the mom? On again, off again, on again, off again, on the mom again. I'll tell you what. I think he should do it, but he should dress as a different person. He should put on a fake mustache and silly glasses and do a whole different haircut. I mean, if he can grow a mustache, why not just grow a mustache? And if he can get prescription glasses or non-prescription glasses, why not just get real glasses? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe his eyes work perfectly fine and he just needs to... You can get non-prescription glasses. Oh, that's true. Are those fake is that the same thing as having fake glasses? You know what, Adrian? I didn't I didn't come to do this podcast to get a lesson in philosophy. I think if you grow a mustache to deceive, that's a fake mustache. Do I misunderstand the concept of realness? I think you do. I don't want to get all hip-hop on you, but that's not hip-hop, right? <laughs> <laughs> is every mustache 
just a way to hide our true selves from others. I do trust you less ever since you have a mustache. Is that one of those things where there's definitely a psychology paper about that, of like people who have mustaches are less trusted? Nah, Ted Lasso is beloved by America. Mmm, he's so wholesome. Yeah, you love him. I love him. I'm trying to think of what a Lasso fan would be called, but I feel like it'd be a Lasso Lass or something like that. I don't know. Have you ever had the situation? Has uh, Lizzie ever tried to date Dorley? No. And then she had two brothers. Mm. Very unattractive. Uh, I was going to say, well, you are bi, so I don't know why (laughs) you said that like it would stop you, but... Yeah, <laughs> nothing else. Like, you know, if there's anything I know about the LGBTQ community, predators. Every single one of them, <laughs> they will let nothing stop them. <laughs> well, you didn't say they were straight, so it wouldn't make you a predator to be, to uh, to hit on them. They were underage, Paul. Oh uh, well, okay. Well, you didn't mention that. How was that my fault? Well, I mean, I was also underage, so I don't know if that matters. If there's one thing I do know about the woke socialist community that you're a part of is that you're always trying to get good guys like me canceled. Uh, what about you? What about you? Do you ever ever date a a girl from a from a family with a lot of ladies? You ever, do you ever date like a Greek girl, <laughs> with, like twelve sisters? I've dated a couple people with sisters. I don't think I have. I think they've all been sisterless. They've always had. Once just, again, uh... Adrian, you're bi, so you have to count brothers. But I don't. I didn't meet any of them. One was adopted and didn't have any siblings. One adopted people can have siblings. Adrian, well, stop that's being why I said, wrong and then, in that's every why sentence I also of this said, episode. And then. Paul, do you understand how conjunctions work? Stop being so wrong in everything you say during this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just can't anymore. I just, um, is there like a, is there a wife swap, but for co-host of podcasts? Because <laughs> I feel like when we get complete opposites, they give me someone sane and reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and I would finally get somebody white. My dream. <laughs> <laughs> They're complete opposites. <laughs> <laughs> that is how that show treated black families. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, that show was killer, dude. We should do Weisshoff as a theme one day. <laughs> that should be an episode if I can't ever if I can't make one like the one where I had Phil on without you. If I can't make an episode, you should do Wife Swap <laughs> as a theme and pretend that you swapped me that out is for really a different funny. host. I just it was always like, Oh, we're really religious, we're really secular and then it was always like, Oh, I'm really progressive, like I only believe in like explaining to my kids why they did something wrong and the other family's like, I beat the shit out of my kids. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you see i always thought that yeah to me the dynamic of the show was always one weirdo family and one family where it, they were like really buttoned up and proper and you could tell that the dads hit them behind closed doors there was a lot of that it wasn't always that dichotomy it did have a lot of like class thing where it was like rich poor like rural urban um some of it was like spoiling versus just stricter parents but like i mean there was one i remember she was an only child and they kept a christmas tree in their house all year round because they got her and wrapped a gift for her every single day of the year um so she got switched to a strict family one of the things that i feel like had to happen in that show that i feel like they made sure not to show was the dads thinking that it was like a real wife swap thing where they were like all right so like you're like you're like around here right like <laughs> Like replacing my wife, and she has some wifely duties, and I'm like, and the producer have to be like, no, 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 it's not like you signed a thing. You can't. You have to stop hitting on this person. You know what? They always do that thing where they're like, you know, like statistically speaking, like five years after you've been on uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, you're likely to not even be living in that house anymore because your property values have risen so up. Did they ever do a follow up with wife swap to see how many people divorced their wife for the wife swap life? <laughs> how many couples split Probably. up? 
they did do a thing where like they met back up after like a month or whatever to like talk about the new changes in their household and it would, it would always be really positive or there'd be the real stubborn people they're like yeah we didn't change anything i think you're a fucking idiot <laughs> i actually now i make my children read two bibles per day <laughs> I can't believe I let the unholy energy of a network TV show into this house. I've told my kids only prestige from here on out. I remember I watched a lot as a teenager and I definitely thought like that must be so invasive for teenagers who didn't ask for it to have cameras in their home for an entire week or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to masturbate. Yeah, I was going to say, Adrian, that just sounds like you were like (laughs) sitting around in your room jacket and you were like, oh, I'm sure glad somebody isn't watching me right now. Not not to wife swap, but yeah, certainly that's what I was thinking. (laughs) I would jacket to, I was trying to think of what what an alternative is to wife swap. (laughs) That was one of those shows where like ABC, CBS, NBC always like ripped each other off. There was one that was very similar. It was like not wife swap, but it was on a different channel. It was like family swap or something. Like it was like almost a straight mm. rip off. Family switch 'em ups. <laughs> uh, Trading spouses aired on. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, they did. They barely pretended that they weren't just. They made a the pun idea. off of trading spaces to steal the idea. <laughs> oh my god! You know. I never realized that, and this reminds me about how for the longest time I never realized that Pawn Stars was a porn star's uh, pawn. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then, on top of that, uh, I didn't do a media roundup today, but I should have done the Pawn Stars YouTube channel. Uh, much better than the mm. show, because they cut out all the fluff in between. All the bullshit. And you get to just see people yeah. bring in items and uh, get evaluated for how much money it is. You know, one of the weird things to me about that thing, about that show was, didn't they kind of have a big philosophy of like a signature adds no value to stuff? And yet I feel like there are no. some big ticket things. That no, 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 no. They definitely have a philosophy of like, oh, this guitar signed. Yeah, doesn't mean thing. Doesn't mean shit to me, buddy. No, they have. Well they literally have shit. this uh, lady who comes on semi-frequently to authenticate signatures. I feel like there have definitely been episodes where they told the person like the signature isn't worth anything, even if it is real. It might be for a specific item or person, like, this person wasn't special enough. Like, they had, like, a big facts no capture it with Paul's signature on it, and they're like, if Adrian's not on there, that's just not worth anything. There was one episode, or one clip I saw, where they told them that the signature actually decreased the value of the item, because it was a fake signature. They were like, the item's real, like, you have a real painting, but somebody fake signed it. And so that took a painting that would have been valuable for being real and deflates it to like no longer be valuable and i was like oh that's sad that's sad man that's sad man all right anything else about this uh sister dater how do you feel i feel like you made your moral compass very widely known that i don't think it's okay to have sex with sisters that see that seems like such a weird vague statement that it's like i don't know if i'm against that (laughs) i don't know this guy you can even just tell from the tone he knows it's wrong this is somebody looking makes it sexy though (laughs) Okay, so if 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 the issue is that do you think it's whatever, wrong to date a friend's sister, Just... a close friend's sister? Ooh, historically, I have said yes on that before. Okay, okay. If you think that's right, to me, you have to think about how this affects other people who might feel like it puts them in an awkward position where they can't be honest about their feelings, or they might feel judged. Oh wait, I feel like this was a uh, do you mind if I? blank question i said yes as in yes i have said it, it's wrong to date your friend's sister oh sorry okay so if you do yeah, think yeah. that's wrong i think it's the same reasoning like you she's not his friend anymore 
No, but it's the same reasoning of, like, it's wrong to put people in an awkward position where they feel, like, insecure and... Fine, then do it in secret. Keep your love a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Adrian, we clearly just feel fundamentally different about these issues of uh, being a good person, whereas I'm a good person and you are okay with being a bad person. Ah, hey, morality is mixed, baby. (laughs) What if it was her cousin? How far removed do you have to be? I think cousin is all right. Oh, okay. Cousins all right. All right. But if her and the cousin like, are really close, like they were both friends, that's by what their I was gonna grandma, say. Yeah, yeah. It's not all right. Hmm. What if it's her best friend? No blood relation. Not all right. Hmm. What if it's their like second best friend? All right. Okay. What if it's like her hairdresser? All right. But also, if she's one of those girls that says she has multiple best friends, then it's all right to date any of them because that's mm. some bullshit. She's Nobody's allowed that, five yeah. best friends. What if it's, like, her go-to waitress at Waffle House? That's closer than your sister. I know, right? Am I right, man? I like that age gap. Can you have a problematic age gap relationship if the younger person is over 35? Can somebody who's 36 date somebody so old that the power dynamic is yeah, messed up? that's like a Hugh Hefner thing. Oh, like Although a 36-year-old? bunnies were usually, yeah. I feel like a 36-year-old dating a, like, 80-year-old doesn't bother me that much. I think a 36-year-old can make that decision. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Are you saying that... So you're saying that the the point that you can run for president in America (laughs) is also the point that you give up any ability to be in a problematic relationship based on age going upwards. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that's law. I think that might actually be U.S. law. You know, we'll see if the Supreme Court overturns it, but I think that's law. (laughs) All right, let me jump into this answer. Uh, All right, sure. Dear on the fence, the situation you're describing could work, or it could be an epic disaster. Which one it is depends entirely on the people involved, what their motives are, and what their relationship is like, and what kinds of people they are. The positive scenario is that your ex's sister is genuinely attracted to you and regrets the fact that she knows you only because you dated her sister. But she understands life can be messy sometimes. Before contacting you, she would have talked to her sister about what she was planning, if not to get her blessing, then to at least prevent her from being completely blindsided by it. I don't think that's true. He said that's a given? No, he said that's a positive scenario. Like, best case scenario. She would have assured her- I know what positive means, Paul. (laughs) Adrian, you know how, like, there's a number line sometimes, and you sit, like, see it get one- Two, three, four. Well, sometimes I know what a number line in is. In more advanced mathematics, they even go backwards to zero, which is like kind of like it's like you know if you have one apple, you can have zero. It means like you have no apples. Like it's uh, there's no apples. But that you mean like Lulu Lou, I've got some apples. Lulu Lou, you got some too. Yeah, kind of like Lulu Lou, I've got some apples. Let's get together in Lulu Lou. You can also go backwards in the number line. It's a little bit more like uh, it's a little bit less easy to visualize in your head because like one apple, two apples, you can see how many apples you have in front of you. But negative one apples, it's like kind of like a debt of apples. Oh, no, I'm familiar. I've rated you before on a number scale. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, so when this person is saying a positive scenario, they're using that word positive, which means to be on the right side of that number line, one and up, to be more like, metaphorically speaking, something that is not a debt, something that is beneficial to the person, if you will. Mm. She would have assured her that this is something that she only began thinking about after the two of you broke up, and she would have listened to your sister's response. At the other end of the spectrum is the possibility that this isn't about you at all, 
And you simply represent an irresistible opportunity to express the anger and resentment the younger sister has been harboring towards your ex for years. You may not want to hurt or humiliate your ex-girlfriend, but that might be exactly what the sister wants to do. So which is it? Obviously, I have no way of knowing that. If you sincerely believe the former description applies, then I don't think dating your ex's sister is wrong, but you should be aware that even under the best circumstances, there are bound to be uncomfortable moments with relatives, mutual friends, etc. It'd be a difficult situation, especially at the beginning. There's no getting around that. If there's even a chance it could be the latter scenario, though, then the answer is obvious. Dating her sister would be a great decision. No, I'm joking. It's a terrible mistake. One last thing yeah, to note is that you do... <laughs> One last thing to note is that you do sound like you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. All she said is she wants to get together for a drink and a talk, right? This may be what you think it is, but let her go first. It could also just be an MLM thing. <laughs> All right, well, Paul, do you feel vindicated or whatever? Should I? I feel like he kind of just really, like, uh, he really walked the line, if you will. Really waffled, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he kind of just agreed with both of us. He was like, I feel like it's the answer to any, like, uh, question like this, which is, yes, if you envision the right, like, circumstances, you can really get to any answer you want to give. Mm. Although no one suggested get back with the original sister. Mm. Yeah, like if you're going in for the double dip. All right, Polly Boy, you ready for a third segment? Yeah. All right, so I threw this together real quick for you. I feel like one of our mottos as a podcast is, when in doubt, talk about food. So this is a third segment called Double Dips. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a classic food. I'm going to give you two options for what dip to dip it in. And uh, you can pick something a little contentious. If you want to, you can go outside of the realms of what I'm giving you, but... Uh, we're going to do this right here. I picked one of the most classic options, um, so you can tell me what you think, and uh, if you want to discuss it, if you have hot takes about it, let's hear them. We can, we can chop it up. Okay, let's discuss food, man. We have 24 different foods, so Paul, if you want to random number generate, um, we can get this started. Okay. Although, can I say that, can we start with number one, which is the most classic one in my mind? Okay, sure. All right, Paul, your food that you're being served is wings. Do you want blue cheese or ranch? Ooh, I want neither if they're really good wings. This is kind of like your thing. Oh, you're like a steak guy? But I think I'm a blue cheese guy. I am too. And I actively make fun of Justin for getting ranch at Public House in Columbia, which famously makes their own blue cheese that is absolutely amazing. I think every wing, depending on the flavor, probably needs blue cheese. Because usually, if you get a buffalo wing. I don't know if I believe in a uh, wing so good it doesn't need a sauce. Really? I think for me, for sure, the ones from uh, Seoul Korean Barbecue in Charlotte, North Carolina, but you'd be crazy it comes to with, dip it's, those. It comes with a sauce, though. Oh, no, I guess you're right, because that doesn't negate having a buffalo sauce on there. Sorry, you were cutting off. What was that? You're correct. I think there's, that doesn't... Buffalo wings also have a sauce on them, so it doesn't negate that. And it almost feels like there's a different type of sauce on that, though. I almost feel like I want to call it like a... Uh, uh, a lacquer more than like a sauce. I respect your opinion. Okay. I can see what you're saying. I can see certain types of wings. Certainly a Korean wing doesn't need a sauce with it. It would be weird to dip like a soy ginger wing into a buffalo sauce. Uh, right. Next up, we got number 10. Number 10. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Do you think this is going to be a... Um, I know. I don't think she listens anymore, but do you think this is going to be a Amelia complains because you and I just agree too much on things? <laughs> hey, man. We've, we've been too contentious this episode. I'm glad we ended on food. 
Yeah, I'm glad we can finally talk. We can agree, we a tune we can all dance to right now. <laughs> Tater tots, ketchup or mayo? Ooh, ketchup. I want to be fancy and European about it, but yeah, I can't dip things in straight mayo. And it's really weird because literally add a couple like tablespoons of hot sauce into it and mix it up. Spicy mayo, love it. Regular mayo, I just can't do it. There is something weird about it. it. It's too goopy, man. Yeah. It's too goopy. It's, you gotta get it for water. It reminds me of Gwyneth Paltrow, bro. It's too fucking goopy. Uh, number 19. 19. Although, I think you described, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I think you described when I called tater tots less dippable than fries, you said you can get a nice, uh, what was it, like hair curl on them? And something <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that rang so true to me. I was like, it does always look like a funny haircut. It looks like a troll doll Sonic, haircut. <laughs> I think Sonic may have had a little character that had that, where it was a tater tot with like a little ketchup hairdo. <laughs> Um, okay, so this one's maybe the biggest stretch of all of these, but we have naan, and would you rather dip it into the sauce of a butter chicken or a palak paneer? Oh, dang. Um, this one, it, it, the problem is I'm thinking about the best of these dishes I've had. I think in general, mm. I would rather do it in a butter chicken because I think more places make good butter chickens, but mm-hmm. best palak paneer probably beats best butter chicken. All right. All right. Hot take. This one might be kind of bang even for me. I don't really know. I, if I had to choose, maybe a Pollock Paneer because the sauce is a little bit more like it has some like real depth to it. It has some real like texture to it. I feel like a Pollock Paneer, though, also the uh, spinach is like it's less uh, emulsified into the into the curry. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of like that, though. Yeah, so but but you'd have to kind of dip in and up, whereas with the butter chicken, you're getting the sauce oh, to soak in. in. Yeah, doop you doop. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. You you really need those. What are they? The uh, the tortillas that are like little cups that are uh, made by Lay's scoops. Yeah, the, the Tostito scoops. scoops. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> you can you can really easily make a knot into a nice little <laughs> scoopable vehicle. All right, next one. Fourteen. Fourteen. This was ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Okay, so this is a crudité. Would you rather have... Oh, so actually, same thing as wings. Would you rather have your crudité with ranch or blue cheese? Yeah, I know what crudité is. Oh, crudité is just like a basic vegetable platter. So like your broccoli, carrot sticks, uh, that kind of stuff. Oh, I do know that. Damn it. Because I've Googled that word before and also bit went like, damn, I should remember that. <laughs> Gotta keep that in my back pocket. This is another one where it, I have like a theory on it based on where you're getting it from. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably rather have the blue cheese if it was the same blue cheese I had with the wings. But a lot of the times you get those crudite platters from somewhere where it's like, you know, it just has like the uh, wrap on top. like Film cover on it, yeah. And that blue cheese is no good. That's like cold, not good blue cheese. I'd rather have that ranch if it came from there. Amelia's not going to be happy about this. I agree. I think the ranch and the crudite is usually superior to the blue cheese and the crudite. I think it works with more vegetables. Uh, and I think it's usually better quality in like that kind of situa- uh, situation as well. Not many people are making their own homemade ranch or blue cheese to put into a crudite. It's usually one of the things you have where you're like, I need people grazing, and so I'm just going to have something that's extra out there as filler. Yeah, exactly. You just bought it from Publix as you walked by on the aisle, and the one that has ranch is going to be better. Two. Two. All right. Paul, with your tortilla chip, would you rather have a pico de gallo, so a basic kind of chunky tomato, onion, you know, type stuff, or a salsa verde. It's like a tomatillo salsa. Usually more blended. I think I would usually have the salsa verde. Also, extra by the fact that where I used to work a Moe's, it was way better of those two options. So I definitely got it way more from there. 
I am also a salsa verde boy. I think it's better. I think it tastes better. I think people get it wrong when they say that tomatillos are a tomato cousin. I think factually they are closest to the gooseberries. So they have a little bit of tartness and it's really nice. Number 15. Number 15. Wait, this is the crudite again, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, that was 14. 11, 12, 13, 14. Oh, you're right. Okay. On the number so line, this... 15 is the one after 14. <laughs> I'll fucking body you, bro. All right. So this is a banana. Would you rather dip a banana in peanut butter or Nutella? Uh, probably about even. Uh, a dip. I don't think you can dip it in either. I guess you need a fork and you're going to kind of spread it on there. You can, well, that's still a dip. You might take a dip with a knife and yeah. spread it on a cracker. Mm. If what's deciding it for you is the motion of dipping the banana into it and how well it takes that, don't take that out of the equation. <laughs> I, <laughs> Just which would you rather have on a banana? To be honest with you, I'm going to say neither. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I would rather have the banana plain. That's my answer for that one. Oh, that's crazy to me. I don't eat bananas anymore. They are uh, maybe the most carb-heavy uh, fruit you can have. Uh, but back in my day when we used to have both in the... Uh, it was kind of our pre-gym snack freshman year of college. I did lean more towards the peanut butter. I thought the Nutella is a little bit too chocolatey, I don't know, bullshit kids thing. Uh, I always like the peanut butter a little bit better. Yeah, I just, I like bananas, man. You mean like on a sandwich, or do you mean like just like three spoonful? I'll, I'll do spoonful peanut butter, spoonful... Uh, that was also another snack yeah. of ours for a lot in yeah, freshman year of college. Okay, another classic, another bar classic. Paul, I'm serving you up a nice, warm, soft, salty pretzel. Mm. Do you want that with the beer cheese, or do you want that with the mustard? And we're talking good mustard. Oh, you see, it's interesting. To me, the eternal dichotomy was the cheese versus the caramel because i always got this i got this more as a snack as a kid from auntie annie's in the uh mm, yeah and i think i started out as a caramel kid and then moved to cheese at one point mm. and decided i liked that more so i'm gonna have to go with cheese that's a good answer i do deviate from you on this one i'm a glutton i like both i like having a little bit of the acid a little bit of the mustard and then a little bit of the beer cheese and just kind of breaking it up every other bite or so yeah i, I will say as an adult at a bar it, i might deviate based on what i'm craving for my savory meal that night it might be different than mm. what i wanted as a kid at the mall for a sweet treat this is luckily one where you don't usually have to pay extra for extra sauces they'll just give you the beer cheese and the mustard together and so um next up we got usually i can get both 13 Ooh, okay, so this is kind of one that gets dipped into two forms of the same thing. I don't know if that's true at all. Uh, this is a grilled cheese. Are you dipping that in tomato soup? Or are you just dipping that straight into ketchup? Oh, ew, no, never ketchup. That's disgusting. That's too sweet. It needs to be tomato soup if it's getting dipped. <sighs> Paul? We disagree, finally. No, I agree, of course. <laughs> of course you want a tomato soup with that. Are you kidding me? It's, it's a better... It soaks into the bread a little bit better. Usually it's like a tomato basil or like maybe something a little bit creamy. Like if it's a good tomato, even if it's not a good tomato soup. I was going to say. Just like, maybe it's like a little peppery. Ooh. I don't, I, I don't want to pretend like I'm classy here. I've only ever made this at home with canned soup. I am dumb enough to have paid for this at multiple restaurants. So like the last time, actually one of the last uh, meals I ate out was at a meadery. And I got their like sourdough uh, brie uh, grilled cheese with a fancy little tomato soup on the side. And it was actually really excellent. Next up, we got number eight. Okay, so this is a little specific. I'm hoping you know these things. This is a Trader Joe's restaurant-style tortilla chip. So that's in the white bag. Usually has a hint of lime. Okay, yeah, I know that. Okay. Trader Joe's caramelized onion dip. 
or the Trader Joe's spinach artichoke dip. Ooh, the spinach artichoke dip. I don't know if I've tried, but I think I would like that a lot. I love They have it. a frozen version that you can heat up, and then they have a fresh version that you can eat cold. I love artichoke flavored stuff. Artichoke is like honestly one of my mm. favorite flavors. But I do really like that caramelized onion dip, and I've had it. But I will say, I'll go generic and say, in general, if these were on a menu at a restaurant, I would almost definitely rather have the artichoke dip. Spinach artichoke? Yeah. Okay. But I love that caramelized onion dip, and I've actually had it from Trader Joe's specifically. I don't know if I have a strong opinion on this one. I love those restaurant-style tortilla chips, but I don't think I've actually gotten either of these dips before. And I don't know, now that I think about it, I tried to pair these things as best as I could, if the hint of lime works with caramelized onion. I feel like that almost... I, I, I buy the blue towards... tortilla chips to have with the caramelized onion dip. Oh, those are in a different, uh, those are in a different row. So we'll see those later in the quiz. Oh, yikes. God damn it, I should have switched those. All right, well, that is that is a good pairing, though. I love those blue corn tortilla chips. Well, it's two very rich flavors together, so it's definitely like a couple of chip sort of snack for me. Like, you dip mm. a couple in that caramelized onion, and you have, like, just this blast of flavor. Mm. You go to Flavortown, and you get right out of there. Number mm. nine. Just go up one in the list, buddy. Thank you for that guidance. This is... Also, I guess we've never really talked about this so far, but if you have any issues with the actual food that you're eating, feel free to bring that up. Because mm. um, these are not my favorite, but people seem to like them. This is Ruffles Original mm. with a sour cream and onion dip or a queso. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, uh, I think with those, I would, I, I mean, I would, I like queso way more than sour cream and onion, but those only taste good to me with ranch or sour cream and onion. That's the only situation mm. where those ruffle chips are contextually okay to me. And it's with those specific sauces. So I've never had them with queso. Maybe I'm missing out, but that seems wrong to me. And it, it probably has more to do with my own experiences than mm. any actual flavor combination. I had trouble coming up with what the alternative was because I, I, again, also only see these with sour cream and onion dip. And that only feels right to me. You've never had them with a crudite platter next to some ranch. I've, I've seen them with next to a crudite. Uh, never seen it. Or maybe I'm just an animal and I see the ruffles next to the crudite platter and I just decide that they get to go with the ranch. And you're like, I'm just going to, you know, you know, this ranch that's supposed to make all these vegetables taste good. I'm just going to take it with this chip. <laughs> Number 23. Ooh, okay. Okay. This was when I was running out of ideas. <laughs> um, All right, Paul. You, uh, let me ask you a question really quick. Mm -hmm. Do you like fish sticks? I love fish sticks. What, are you gay fish? <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm suck on those fish sticks all day. I'm just, I'm just I'll, I'll give them a little, give them a little lick on the tip, and then swallow those fish sticks whole. <laughs> all right, so this is a fish stick. Would you rather have it with tartar sauce or bang bang sauce? What's bang bang sauce? Bang bang is definitely one of those restaurant creations where everyone has their own formula for it, but it's very much like a mayo-y, spicy. I can't say that I've ever had it because I've mostly seen it on shrimp, but I feel like it's like a mayo-y, spicy sauce. Oh, I thought it was like a red uh, sauce. Okay, um, then for sure I would rather have it with tartar sauce. To be honest, I don't like either of those sauces very much. Um, so you just go, you go plain. Wait, what do you dip your fish sticks in? Don't tell me ketchup. Sticks. You know, I don't order fish sticks that often. I think that's really. Thing. I kind of like them; they're pretty good. I guess a tartar sauce. I'd probably rather have them with a tartar sauce. Honestly, I maybe should have included this, but I, I think I would almost go like Asian with it, and I'd probably just put like some soy sauce with some uh, 
like sesame oil or something together. Yeah, that might be good. Even something with like a little bit of teriyaki if you wanted sweetness, but uh, yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of teriyaki. Uh-huh. 21. Okay. All right. So this is kind of another really basic one that I didn't think of until later on. But Paul, you're at the state fair. You got yourself a corn dog. You dipping that in ketchup or mustard? Mustard. Me too. I feel like <laughs> I, re- I really resonate with Seinfeld's bit about how like kids grow up from eating ketchup into growing mustard, into eating mustard, growing mustard. I guess if they're a farmer, but <laughs> kids go from uh, eating ketchup on hot dogs to eating mustard later on when they develop a better palate. And I don't know why that really resonated with me. I've never heard that bit. Um, but I mean, I still have a bit of a child's palate in that like sweet mustard, like honey mustard. I, I like that a lot. So I'm, I'm not. We'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, 20. And I have some opinions. I'll tell you what. Dude, I was so amazed when I realized honey mustard was just a combination of honey and mustard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, one of those things like where it's like national treasure where you realize that the, the, the truth was ahead of your head, face the entire time just right under your nose? It seemed too obvious to be true. You know what I mean? This has to be a ruse. This has to be a red herring. Okay, this one is, Paul, you got yourself a big juicy steak. Some people would say it doesn't need anything. Would you rather have some A1 to dip it in or some chimichurri? You know what? If somebody, I think we're going to disagree on this one. If somebody took a steak too far, I would rather, if they if they burnt it and it was like, you know, it wasn't good by itself anymore, I would rather have it with A1 sauce. Wow. And I feel like I know you would, you're you going to say chimichurri. I feel like I set you up for an easy one. I, I was going to say that's like a, that's a layup right there. That's a layup, and somehow you tripped over yourself and slapped your dick on the floor, and then your face on your dick. <laughs> wow. When I was a kid, my mom used to make this, like, stir-fried beef. It was, like, beef and onions, and it was, I guess the beef was, like, uh, cut into slices, almost as if it was going to be put into a uh, a Philly cheesesteak. But then mm-hmm. she would just, like, kind of leave it, just, just the beef and onions, and then I would eat that with some A1 sauce, and I always loved that. Damn. Okay. So you're saying that if you went to a restaurant and someone gave you a steak with A1 sauce on it, you would get ratatouille. No, in a lot of situations, I don't want people to put the sauce on top of something for me. I want to distribute the sauce as I see fit. I like how that's the opposite of Aziz Ansari's funny take on Parks and Rec or whatever, where he's like, you know, I don't eat anything with a dip. If it has a sauce, put pour that shit over on it for me. <laughs> no, I, I think I've already stated during this episode, I like the uh, temperature difference to, to mm. stay separate so that I can get a little bit. So of... you'd never eat like a, a steak a poivre or whatever, like doco l'orange, any kind of like thing that has a sauce on it never okay adrian i'm not trying to i'm not making a holistic statement here i'm saying okay because i'm gonna say you're contradictory if you ever say anything else <laughs> if you ever come back into this podcast and you're like i had a fancy valentine's dinner with izzy and i had some great duck orange i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like order spaghetti and be like keep the red sauce apart from the noodles i'm, mm. I'm combining them at the table i want it with a little hibachi like little flame keeping it hot so i can have that textural <laughs> that temporal difference <laughs> All right, what's the next one? DJ Paul, hit us up. Number five. Ooh, okay, so this is a a contentious one from our middle school classroom. Not classroom, lunchroom. From our middle school lunchroom. Pizza. You dipping that in some extra marinara sauce, or you dipping that in some ranch? Neither, unless I have to, and then marinara sauce for sure with the the crust. Hmm. Here's my issue, Okay. Can I can I can I talk about this? Yeah, talk freely, openly. I agree with you. If I'm going to dip my pizza in anything, it's going to be a little bit of extra marinara just to moisten things up. People who eat pizza with ranch when we were growing up acted like 
it was a new discovery. Like it was a revelation. Like they'd ask you to try it every time and they'd be like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like it, it elevates this dish in a way that you cannot understand. And every time I'd be like, I mean, it's not bad. I can see why you like it. But also I think you just like stuffing ranch into your face like a little biggie. Um, I don't know if I'd be as dark about it, but I agree. It doesn't elevate pizza. It's, it's fine, but it's like a horizontal move and it's a move away from the dominant flavor the chef's of, intention it's a it's a horizontal <laughs> move from what pizza is like you're moving away from the essence of pizza mm-hmm. which is fine i'm somebody who likes pineapple on my pizza and i get that that's mm-hmm. moving away mm-hmm. from the essence of pizza sometimes you can make those decisions if they are specifically to your liking to me ranch is just not like you're not really benefiting from that horizontal move it's just like a little too i don't know those flavors aren't you're not adding like a nice complementary or contrasting flavor you're just adding a different flavor that has nothing to do with the essence of pizza pineapple the contrast from what you expect mm. adds something and you always to get it on the side and put it on your pizza at the end brother no i just asked for the pineapple juice and dip <laughs> <laughs> all right all right paul a strawberry dipped in whipped cream or melted chocolate so this this could be a sexy time question. I don't want to get into your intimate relationships, but this could also just be an edible arrangement. It could also just be like a gift to send someone else or a gift to receive a uh, strawberry. I think what we're learning here is that maybe I don't really care for I, I for fruit dipped in sweet things, but I would say I enjoy a strawberry with chocolate on it, but I think if I was going to prepare something for myself, I would probably get a bowl of strawberries and put some whipped cream yeah, I'd strongly prefer whipped cream. I think chocolate's a little aggressive. Do you remember when we were in elementary school and middle school and like kids would come to school with strawberries and a bowl of sugar to dip their strawberries into sugar to make them more sweet? No. That was a thing in our elementary school where I think it's really just like a kid's palate where they're like, you know, this thing that nature invented to like store sugar for <laughs> for later uses in a plant. It, You know what? It needs a little bit more sugar. <laughs> You might laugh at my mom for this, but she eats her uh, avocados with a little sprinkling of sugar, and I kind of like that. I already knew that. I wasn't going to put that in here. Clearly, we use salt all the time. It's unheard of to put sugar, but, um, you know, well, yeah, it's creamy. It could, you know, people use it in desserts. I think it's one of those things where, like, it was a very new introduction to the Middle East when my mom was, like, like in her early midlife, so they were just trying shit. They were like, mm-hmm. what do we do with this one? They're like pomegranate molasses, eh, 5 out of 10. <laughs> a little bit of sugar, 9 out of 10. <laughs> 11. Everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's, 10 out of 10. <laughs> 11. All right, here we go. So this is going to be fries in ketchup or in a milkshake. If you told me I had to do this every time I had fries, I would definitely go ketchup. Hey, this is America. No one's making you do anything. <laughs> um, um, hey, whoa, whoa. This tell is... that to the Supreme Court. So I'm going to say ketchup. <laughs> this is very specific, but at Rush's, the very regional to our hometown place, I loved getting their fries, which are always extra salty with the milkshake. I think it was transformative. I think that was a thing where it was like, I now understand sweet and sour sauce. <laughs> I was like, I, I think only, it's, I think, I think it's I've so only great. done it with Wendy's. With Wendy's, that's another good one. But they have a frosty, yeah. yeah. Ooh, do you want to hear a random fact that might enrich the experience of our audience? Mm-hmm. Do you remember Joey Chestnut from our competitive eating episode? Oh, yeah. Do you know he's type 1 diabetic? <laughs> so he can only People... do foods that... 
No, because he's done the Nathan's hot dog thing. And people in the subreddit were talking about it. And they were like, I I would have to take like a month's worth of insulin to like handle whatever he just ate. I have no idea what, how he does what he does. And I was like, yeah, I just kind of assumed that being a competitive eater meant that you can't be type 1 diabetic. But I have no idea how he does it. My assumption is he probably just ignores his condition. But seven. That was just an insane fact to me. Seven. All right, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right. Trader Joe's blue corn tortilla chip. You're familiar. Are you going to say, am I dipping it into cowboy caviar or dipping it into pub cheese? No, those are two Trader Joe's classics, but I picked my personal favorite. Um, TJ's Mediterranean hummus and TJ's buffalo chicken dip. You know what I like about TJ's Mediterranean hummus? What I like about it, and I've said this before, is that it just tastes like what hummus is supposed to taste like. It's not buffalo hummus. It's not horseradish hummus. It's not like bell pepper hummus. It just tastes like hummus, and I like that. Oh, well, that's great for you. I was going to say it wasn't made by an apartheid state. but Oh, I like that, too. I like that buffalo chicken dip, but I think it sometimes it rubs me the wrong way. Sometimes I'm like, I'll buy some. It's pretty good. And then sometimes I'm like, stuff kind of tastes like a little bit like too much. Sometimes I'm like, it's a little chunky. It's a little too much. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to say the hummus because I think, like you said, it's such a classic hummus. Like you could always mm-hmm. probably grab it some. Yeah. I don't know how to describe my intermittent issues with that buffalo chicken dip, but sometimes I'm just like completely kind of not in the mood for no, it. No, I kind of I get what you mean. Yeah. I've had a container kind of just like drift around between like I'll finish it in two days and like I'll have two weeks and I'll be like, ah, I got to get rid of it. I don't really want it anymore. Uh-huh. Interesting. I wish we could put words to it, but you, I guess you got to try it to know it. <laughs> Only one of us is a poet. 24. Oh, this is the last one. Okay. So a little bit of a reference to earlier, Paul. Um, This is a gyoza. So a Japanese dumpling, usually pan fried. Um, So one part is crispy with a little bit of soft dumpling on the top. Soy sauce or duck sauce? Soy sauce, but if it's like a deep fried one. Uh, I don't know if certain Asian cultures are more likely to do the like deep fried ones where it's a little bit more. There's a, there's a wonton. There's a Chinese dumpling place. Yeah, that yeah. does that. And they're fantastic. Those I would more rather do with a duck sauce. But a Japanese gyoza, like the really soft paper, uh, definitely like a soy sauce or a thinner sauce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not going to hold on to that sense. thick duck sauce as well. I'm not going to lie, I've never used duck sauce before. I used to have to put it into every to-go order at uh, Tokyo Grill, and I never understood what it was for. If it's for duck, that is not aptly named, because we didn't have any duck on the menu. So, uh, yeah, I've always done my gyoza in a mixture of soy sauce and uh, sesame oil. Maybe some sriracha if I'm feeling froggy. 22. All right, Paul, this might also ring true for you in your past experience. This is a quesadilla. You usually get two things with a quesadilla. You get sour cream and you get salsa. Ooh. Which one are you choosing? This is one where I think I'd usually go rather uh, mm. with, without either. I would probably try to eat it with the salsa and then I wouldn't get great bites of it because I, I like eating quesadillas with my hand, man. I'm not a cut it up with a fork and knife guy, so I'm not going to get mm. be able to get a little bit of salsa on it with the fork. Okay. And then if I try to do that, like, you know, by balancing it on the quesadilla and getting it to my mouth, it's going to be a bit more of a mess. I think I like that flavor combo a little bit more. I don't really want sour cream with it, though, so I don't want to dip it in the sour cream either. I think I really got to go neither salsa if it's about the flavor uh, combo. 
I think we disagree here. I, uh, I'm not normally a sour cream fan, but I do like the contrast. I do like a little bit of a cold, thick, dollopy something on my quesadilla that you can really dip it into and just have a nice little... You see what I'm talking about with the uh, temperature contrast? I'm glad we finally got there with you. I mean, the salsa is usually cold too, if not room temp, but I feel like that sour cream is just like, I don't know. It sometimes breaks, breaks stuff up a little bit better, I think. Three. We're going back to tortilla chips, but this time, you're, you're, this is the premium uh, question, queso or guacamole? You know, I think this is one where I have to say I'm more likely to order queso. I just know, I'm thinking about too. historically, like statistically in my head, I'm more likely to order queso, but I don't know if I can confidently so what you're say saying it's because is I you're like choosing, it more. You're choosing facts over your feelings. Exactly. I don't know, like, I feel weird saying I like it more because I don't feel like that's true, but I, I, I guess I am craving it more often. I think this is one of those things where if I'm at home, I'm definitely going to make a guacamole over making a queso. But if I'm going out to eat, I'm definitely be like, oh, they made queso. I don't have to make it. I'll definitely get queso. It's not only like really delicious. Also, it's uh, made way easier to get eating out than it is to make it at home. Um, but also it's like, I don't know, it's richer. It's like also people a lot of times put tomatoes in their guacamole and I don't believe in that. So it's it's usually just like... guacamole is incredibly accessible at home. It's one of those like dishes where the first oh, yeah. time you make it, you're like, wait, it's this easy. Yeah, that's what they make it table side at like better restaurants. And so then you can literally see it's just like, blip, 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 blip. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I have to buy a mocajete. And you're like, nah, not really. You can kind of do it anywhere. <laughs> Guy who comes over to your place and takes a bite of the guacamole. But right before the chip enters his mouth, he's like, did you make it with a mocajete? Among other secrets I won't reveal is just slice your onion almost imperceptible, like really, really small dices. So it almost just blends into the guacamole. Don't use tomatoes. Use a lot of lime juice and then use that secret ingredient we all know about. Four. Paul, you know we had to do it to him. We're going to Nuggy Town. You got yourself a big plate of Nuggies. Your mom's out of town. She can't judge you for how many Nuggies you just made in the oven. You're playing a Vidya game or whatever. You're drinking some Mountain Dew Code Red. What are you dipping those Nuggies in? Some barbecue sauce or some honey mustard? Ooh, this one's tough for me because I do love me some sweet combos with my meats. Um, mm -hmm. You love a sweet meat? Uh, it depends. It really depends on the brand. The The brands, you know, you got those uh, childhood classics. You got the uh, Sweet Baby Ray's, which I did like for a while. And I think it's because it tasted like the McDonald's barbecue sauce, which I liked a lot as a kid. I was going to say, I was going to erase the entire scenario that I just did and say, you're going to McDonald's. Which one are you choosing? The barbecue sauce from McDonald's. I'm just not a honey mustard, dude. I don't really like honey. Mm, Love mustard. Don't really like honey. I would rather do mustard, which arguably is a hot sauce, and then mix it with another hot sauce. I feel like this is just you trying to like set it up so nobody believes it's you when that videotape of you getting your head stuck in a jar of honey comes out. <laughs> Could it be me? I hate honey. <laughs> Everybody knows I hate honey. That, that video where I'm not wearing any pants and I just have a shirt on and I have my whole fist up a fucking honey jar and I'm just like, oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. How am I going to get out of this tree? I guess I'll wait so long that I get thinner. And I'm like, oh boy, talk about a honey trap. And I look at the camera. <laughs> a lot of your life has been a, very similar to the adventures of Winnie the Pooh, who is now in the public domain. Winnie the Pooh. Who? Did we talk about that on pod that Winnie the Pooh is now like they're making a horror movie about him because he's in the public domain? So anybody I definitely can... know about it, but I don't know if we talked about it and I'm excited about it. That's all I'll say. 
That'll be for next episode. Public domain. After our wife swap episode. 17. Alright, we only got three more to go. Paul, here we go. Do you think wife this swap is... was invented when one of the execs for ABC went, Somebody take my wife! Yay, take my wife, please! And replace her with someone who's the complete opposite! And a little light bulb popped up over that. Alright, this is lavash. So a little flatbread. Would you rather have that with some lebna or some baba ganoush? Labne. Labne. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were correcting my pronunciation. I didn't know you were choosing. Oh, no, yeah, I was choosing. They uh, they now sell Labne at Whole Foods. Uh, I think it's from, like, Ooh. a company called Seed or something. It's pretty good. Get yourself some Labne, put it on a plate, get yourself some olive oil on it. Have I ever given you my mom's Labne, like, when you've been over? Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, prepare it how Dang I prepared it. it for you. Buy yourself a pita bread. I feel like I've been on record saying this before, but I think eggplant is my favorite vegetable, so it's tight for me. I don't know. 16. I guess I can't disagree with you on that one since you're culturally correct. Otherwise, I'm going to be canceled. <laughs> uh, here's another one. We got pita with uh, muhamara and tzatziki. I don't know what muhamara is. It is a pomegranate walnut-like dip uh, from somewhere in the Levant area. Uh, I, is it... Um, is it... <laughs> Hamra means red in Arabic. Is it just because it has pomegranate that's yeah. red and that's part of it? Muha. Yeah. That's actually very deductive. It's a spicy dip made of walnuts, uh, red bell peppers, pomegranate molasses, and breadcrumbs. It is associated with Aleppo. Yeah, not something I've had, but it sounds delicious. Does it sound better than a little bit of Greek tzatziki? Honestly, I'm going to have to say, like, I really... Without even having had it, I, I bet it's going to beat it out. I really, like, my palate really leans levant yeah i kind of agree i'm not gonna lie i think i'm on the same page i like tzatziki on a pita with like a euro but i don't really consider it like a dip on its own mm-hmm. that i would really put anything into i wouldn't just eat a plain pita with some tzatziki no and sometimes you get a tzatziki that's or i know like the correct way to pronounce it is like tzatziki that's just a little too salty i don't know that's probably more mm. to do with like the american spots you get it but sometimes it's just like mm. back off with the salt a little yeah step off step off all right, Paul, you ready for our last one? Mozzarella sticks. Marinara or ranch? We're going back to the pizza debacle. 100% marinara. Hundo Pete. So this is this is a story of a boy. I didn't know you who, people ate those with ranch. That's disgusting. This is a southern thing, I think. I went to a bar. They opened at 2.30. I was watching a soccer game. The kitchen doesn't open until 4.30. I'm watching the soccer game. I order food and I tell the lady, I'm like, hey, as soon as you guys open the kitchen up for like these early appetizers or whatever, just get me some mozzarella sticks. I need something in my stomach. I've drank like three beers and I haven't had any food today. She brings it to me uh, and it's just automatically served with ranch. And the guy next to me is like, why Why did they serve those with ranch? And I was like already like four deep. And I was like, you know what? That's a good question. <laughs> what a weird combination of things to give you. Why is marinara not the obvious thing to serve this with? <laughs> they just give you the... Uh... The mozzarella stick with a chocolate dipping sauce. <laughs> and I was already four deep. I was like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was that's that one's the only one that's bred out of a very singular uh experience where I was like, the fuck are they doing here? Hopefully she made How a much mistake. do Southerners like ranch? Ben told me a story this week, which is something I've never heard before, nor something I ever felt like I had to check for before. Which was he um was at a bar and him and his girlfriend both ordered drinks he ordered some sort of fruity drink and she ordered a 
um, a martini. And mm-hmm. he got his fruity drink, took a sip, and it was very salty and olivey. And she took a sip of hers and said, wow, that's strong. Doesn't taste like it has mm. any olive juice in it. And then they realized that he'd put the olive juice in his fruity drink. He had to take it back Ugh. to the bartender, explain what happened to him. The bartender said, no way. He's like, just take a sip. And the guy did it. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, you, you're right. <laughs> Jesus. Apparently they drank free that night because of that, but I was like, I've never heard Wait, of really? that happening. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that should be the origin of like a new company where they're like, we realize if you put olive juice in a fruity <laughs> drink, it actually tastes amazing. <laughs> Sharks, we're asking for 30% for our company, <laughs> all of it up. <laughs> oh my god, it tastes like a milkshake. Who knew olive juice and fruit meets in the middle at milkshake? <laughs> You can use olive juice and mango it makes fucking paradise. It takes it to Valhalla. <laughs> Paul, you want to wrap this up and get out of here? Sometimes you've got to double dip. Unless you have two sauces. Is this, a, is this a big fact or is this just you saying stuff? Yeah, no, this is a big fact. Sometimes you've got to double dip. Uh, unless you have two sauces and mozzarella sticks and those two sauces are ranch and marinara. And then that case single dip into the marinara and throw that ranch away throw it at the waitress and yell at her you're not getting a tip fuck you i'm leaving a bad review on yelp and you're gonna lose your job Hmm. and my no cap is sometimes a double dip isn't enough if you're doing tricep dips for your workout for arm day or tricep day like you know you don't want to do it any more than like once every four days maybe you don't really need to work on your triceps that often so you know, like once every four days when you're doing your tricep dips, you should do about like 12, 12 reps per, per sesh, you know, uh, depending on what kind of weight you're using. So if, you, if you're using like a lightweight, you can maybe try and go for a little bit more, but it depends on whether you're trying to tone or whether you're trying to bulk up. Um, but, you know, you make those decisions for yourself. I can't make those for you. Adrian, is this because somebody told you they make good money working as a, uh, at a gym? And I asked him, I was like, <laughs> what kind of qualifications do you need for that job? <laughs> And do you have to look like you go to the gym to get that job? (laughs) Have I learned anything from our elementary school gym coaches? No. (laughs) Way to go for Coach Darlington. God damn, straight for the throat. All right, man. Bye, buddy. And I keep feeling like I'm don't think But fuck that nigga pass me that drink I done drunk too much, I'm up